Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Phantom Galaxy Podcast. I'm Nathan Bartlebaugh. I'm Seth Dombach. Seth, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Nathan. I'm really looking forward to our next couple of days that we're going to be talking about here. Um, the, the past, if you guys haven't listened yet, we are doing a 31 days of Halloween here. Uh, so we're trying to bring you guys a couple of days at a time, uh, a few times throughout this month until we get to the end of October. Uh, picking some of our favorite stuff, not just movies this time, but we're also talking about kind of anything, podcasts we listen to, um, activities like we like to do during the fall and during October, anything that's going to put you in the spirit of Halloween. We want to bring to you guys so a lot of the recommendations we have if you haven't had a chance to listen to our first episode you can go back again it's on itunes or podbean and other places so check us out check that episode out and follow along with us for october we're really excited to bring this to you guys so um i did last last time if you didn't hear uh we started off day one with silver bullet talked a little bit about that great little werewolf movie and then nathan brought us his pick for day two uh which was brotherhood of the wolf and we had a really interesting discussion about that and i wrapped up that episode talking about tales from the crypt the comic book series the ec comics um and how much we enjoy them how much they're evocative of this season so we're going to go into day four now here and nathan you're going to start us off tonight with your pick my pick is exorcist three from 1990 17 years ago, an extraordinary motion picture touched our most profound, nameless fears. Do you dare walk these steps again? Death be not proud, nor canst thou kill me. Satan grows stronger. You believe in possession, Father? He has found a haven. Come to take a little blood from your father. He has taken possession. The boy had been crucified. His web widens. I've just never seen anything like this in 20 years. Inside this cell. Killer drove an ingot into each of his eyes and cut off his head. Inside a man. Who are you? I am no one. A man we thought had died 17 years ago. He is inside with us! He will never get away! This time you're going to lose. The real terror is back. George C. Scott in William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist 3. Yeah, this movie, I saw this, I saw bits and pieces of the first movie uh, on TV growing up. It was not a movie my parents sat down and said, let's watch The Exorcist. But I had seen segments of it, particularly that the, the famous kind of concluding scene, which goes on for quite a bit, the, the actual exorcism in the film and 
uh, I was familiar with all the images, and I did see it later uh, on, you know, got into high school, but I ended up seeing Exorcist 3, the full movie, probably before I had, you know, had that full kind of experience with the original movie. And I I really like this movie. Uh, I'll set it up a little bit because there are people who may not be familiar with it, because it tends to be people see The Exorcist, and they just decide they've had enough. And they don't, not because it's a bad movie, but it is. Uh, I still think even... The standards of the 1970s and the standards of now, it's still a relatively intense movie. And it is. It's an experience people may not really want to have a whole lot, which is kind of where I, I fall. I think it's an excellent film. It's a very scary movie. And I think it can be scary even if you're not buying into everything the movie has to offer in terms of demonic possession and things like that. And I, the thing about Exorcist 3 is, to me, it's a more fun horror movie. And in, in a lot of ways, though, it captures the spirit of what was happening in the first movie and carries it through. It follows the storyline. And it has, I think in some ways, it has some different, different but interesting side things to say about faith and the battle between good and evil that wasn't necessarily true of, say, Exorcist 2 or Exorcist 4 that felt to me more like... Uh, Exorcist 2 is kind of a strange movie. It's it's trying a lot of things, but they, they, they're very muddled about what exactly the message of the film is, which was pretty straightforward in the original Exorcist. But I like this movie. It follows uh, Detective Bill Kinderman, who has a small kind of... I, I believe he shows up briefly in the original Exorcist, not played by George C. Scott as he's played here in the film, but the detective character has a kind of small role in his relationship with Damien Karras, who is the primary character in the first Exorcist movie, outside of Reagan. He's the priest who comes in to help Reagan. This is more of a detective story. It's an odd choice to cast George C. Scott, I feel like, but then we have this developing serial killer story taking place in Georgetown, and you've got the movie opening with the with the stairs there and with da- with Damien falling down the stairs. But everything that happens after it develops in a very interesting and creepy way. And it's a strange mix of almost noir cop thriller and uh, haunted house kind of horror jump out scares. But they're really well handled in this movie. I think these are some of the most effective jump scenes, if you will, that I've mm-hmm. seen in a horror movie because they're kind of underplayed and you don't always see them coming. I remember the first time I saw this movie and just being completely freaked out about it. And where the movie goes, it I was curious about how it was going to wrap in Karis and all these other elements because I felt it almost just feels like it's uh, a different story that seems to have dovetailed off of The Exorcist. You know, like yeah. you're watching it and you're trying to figure out how exactly is this going to relate to the demonic possession and everything. It's almost for a while just like a serial killer movie that happens to have uh, this tangential cop character that was in the first story. And then we come back around to Damien Karras and how they link that in is pretty interesting. And then you have Brad Dourif yeah. as, as the Gemini killer. That's right, yeah. And... Oh my goodness, he's incredibly creepy in this movie. I mean, that's my opinion, is he is intense. And the way this movie develops and where it goes, I think it's actually kind of fascinating, and I think it's really underrated. It's interesting because Blatty, who wrote The Exorcist, he actually kind of takes on the directing reins for this movie, and I don't think he did a bad job. I I think this is actually a pretty effective 
directorial day you know someone taking their own work and turning it into a movie i mean it's no maximum overdrive <laughs> uh, but i i feel like he captures what he wants to capture and there's a lot of interesting side relationship stuff casting scott is neat because some of the most interesting things with scott don't have anything to do with the supernatural they're conversations between he and his priest friend it's just i think that some of that stuff is as interesting the conversations about good and evil and the battle against despair are as interesting as some of the, the spooky stuff that happens and but the spooky stuff is really creepy there's a there's a shot in in a hospital where you watch a night nurse going from room to room to room to room and you're watching that side <laughs> yes. back and forth and then without any kind of warning or without any sort of like uh indication something just happens and it's kind of terrifying there's um there's a bit it's with shocking. an old lady <laughs> Which, which I uh, yeah, yes, which ceiling. I feel like we've gotten so many of these sorts of. We now in a horror movie, you instantly check the ceiling. But back in 1990, it was it's genuinely shocking again because it's not the kind of deal where you look up and there they are. It's it, everything is about <laughs> shock composition. It's one of those movies where you'll see things in the background. Someone will walk into the room and they'll come back, and the room will be physically changed in some sinister way that you didn't notice before, and it takes you a couple minutes to catch up. I love this. And the other thing with Scott is when he finally kind of confronts evil, he's just sort of like annoyed by it, you know? Like he's sort of like cursing Satan out as if as if he's like a, just a really bad cab driver. I was two weeks from retirement. It's not not unlike that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's one of those because I, I have not gone back and rewatched the Exorcist series for quite some time. I was a big fan of the original, but I also like three as well too. I think they're really the only two good ones in the entire run of Exorcist movies. Um, but this is definitely making me want to go back and rewatch it because especially there's some scenes like you said in here that just kind of catch you off guard completely. You're not expecting it to happen in a third movie from a franchise, and. It is actually, it is a good movie. This is an excellent choice. I think it's another case of here's a great example of taking elements from an original film, building in the same kind of uh, a, another story about demonic possession, keeping it and, and bringing the story full circle, but giving you a completely different kind of movie. And that was probably in some ways what the problem was. People didn't want this kind of movie when they had the envision of what that other movie was to be fair most of the exorcist movies are different in some way from exorcist the original exorcist but two and four make the mistake of trying to tie themselves so closely to the reagan pazuzu storyline that they uh i think they get stuck yeah it's for me like a demon possession is is not one of my favorite like subgenres of horror just because so many of them because of the exorcist fall into the same trappings like we have to have this scene or we have to have that scene and, and it just kind of gets tired and old but i think if it, if it can be done and it can be done effectively then i'm gonna give it all the props in the world like, there's a recent movie that i may or may not end up on my list this month a newer one that uh i kind of want to dance around a little bit as much as i can um but it was super super effective i think one of the best horror movies to come out in the last like 10 15 years so uh, it is good when you can see somebody to kind of take that genre and do something a little bit different with it yeah and, and this is good and i I'd, I'd highlight too that like i was talking about the relationships ed flanders plays father dyer who father dyer is with uh, Damien cares when he falls down the steps. At the, he's the priest who comes up when he falls down the steps, and he's got uh, that character has a role here 
and he's he's Scott's friend in the beginning, and there's some like again those bedside conversations they have is uh, they're pretty entertaining. At one point, Flanders says to someone who's passing by, "May the Schwartz be with you." <laughs> if you've never seen it, I think it's definitely worth a watch. It's a different movie than the original, but I think in a, in, in some ways and in some scenes, it's just as effective. That's a great choice. Okay, so now we're going to move on to October 5th. So for my next choice, uh, what I picked is... Uh, you may have heard of this before. If not, I hope this is brand new and I don't really want to spoil too much about this series for you. But it's a little YouTube series called Marble Hornets. Decent director, uh, well, at first. We saw this really tall guy standing in the middle of the street, just completely still. There was something about this guy that was just, it was strange. This is a series that I don't even really kind of remember how I found out about it in the first place, um, but I kind of stumbled upon it. Uh, and this it came is to you in a dream, written on a <laughs> yeah, wall. <exactly. laughs> I saw some man standing out in the field, and he was holding a copy of this. Uh, yeah. But this is a series. It's kind of uh, looks like almost like you know documentary style um, or like first person vlog style, um, and it gets crazier and creepier as things go along and i think there's a few other people who've tried to do this so far on youtube and obviously because of the success of marble hornets it's grown from there but i think if you're going to spend your time watching any of them this is the one to put your time into um and i'm i'm only going to be recommending here that you watch maybe the first or second, you know, first to second seasons. After a while, it does kind of divulge down and doesn't get as good as it was in those first couple of seasons there. But what's in there, there's some really, really creepy stuff uh, that's in there. Some really in- 
ingenious ways that they used the camera and kind of played around with the format that they had on YouTube there. Um, this was even recommended by Ebert. He, he loved this too. Um, gave it them high praise during the first season when the set was released and people have found out what kind of what they, these kids were doing. Uh, so it's it, it, the story a little bit is there was a, a group of friends who were going to make a fake movie uh, called Marble Hornets and then things were happening that they couldn't really explain and this mystery starts to be unfolded um i don't even know if i should spoil who this is about um uh, but there is a character that shows up there uh, kind of a, an urban legend one of the newer ones and kind of where they go from there what happens because of it but i, I found this to be a really intriguing series um some genuinely creepy moments held within there just kind of the you, you know having people running around abandoned buildings in the middle of the night um but i i do highly recommend at least the first and, and second season of marble hornets uh, nathan have you checked this series out before I I have seen it. I saw it back around the time that it came out, and uh, was it was this two thousand nine or was it earlier than that? Um, I think it was around then, yeah, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. And then we were also having you know things like creepy pasta and Reddit were becoming you know were sort of becoming these other means by which people were telling stories. It became like digital campfires in a sense. It, like you said, I don't really want to go into too much about the topic of this because. Yeah, there is a there there is an element here that I think is relatively well known now. Played to death is probably a better way to say it, but it certainly wasn't when this this show was created because my my understanding is that this is one of the primary ways that the mythology of this particular character was developed. I think when people talk about it, there's this original sort of event that sparked this character, and then there was this, you know, and then there were the things that happened after. But that the Marble Hornets in my mind, is kind of inseparable from the birth of the character that we're talking about, uh, that we're trying not to talk about. That element almost is more in its detriment these days because of uh, of, of kind of how we, you know, we're ex- what we're expecting. I think what is strong and effective about this is the weird sense of mystery and the weird sense of paranoia that it generates. It's obviously no one is playing this off of as being real found footage. Uh that's in my mind that's only ever worked for a small time with the Blair Witch project. I don't think but it is effective having such a low budget. It, one of the things it does really well is it seems like it always is able to provide reasonable and plausible means for why these people would still be holding the camera in an interesting way because that's one of the biggest I personally don't get hung up on that as much like if the mm, basic gist either. of a found footage world works for me uh, as long as you don't start violating and, and becoming like a found footage movie, really shouldn't jump to a normal cinematic movie in the middle of it. But we see those happen these days. And one of its additional benefits is it does build an interesting and reasonable reason for why these guys still have the camera and for what's going on. And I think it's really interesting. And if you're looking for something that's just creepy, and I think this works, it hasn't really dated. I just watched it uh, not too long ago, piece chunks of it, and it's still relatively effective. I think you can still kind of get into it. Also, the kind of thing that you can watch, uh, it's designed for the small screen. It's perfect. It's creepier to watch it on a small computer screen. This works, and it's spooky, and it does introduce a pretty spooky boogeyman. Yeah. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> that pretty much sums up all my feelings about it too. But yeah, it's the, the only problem. I think the biggest problem with with doing something in this format is that you have to have a laid out plan of where you want to go eventually. Because I, I think that's kind of what 
this suffers from a little bit as you go further on is just not knowing what they want to take the story to. So again, that's why I'm recommending specifically the first two seasons because that was when they were kind of hitting that fire. They, they had things planned out. They knew what they wanted to do with it, where they wanted to take this and it works really well together. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to see this continue because I do think there is something that you can pull out of it. I think it is an interesting format for the genre, and I would like to see somebody you know try and continue and make something solid uh, that we can look at uh, you know as the next Marble Hornets down the road. Yeah, I, the only kind of caveat that I'll make, and I think you had just clarified for this this for me, was as I was thinking about going back and watching it, and I had looked on amazon and they have uh always watching the marble hornet and i what i had thought this was was taking all of the marble hornet segments that exist uh, the seasons that exist and putting them sort of into a movie format but what you just told me is no this is actually like a follow-up movie that they kind of sold the rights to yeah it, it doesn't contain any of the characters from uh the the actual youtube series it does bring in some elements that are similar but other than the name it's completely different and would if you've seen it seth would you recommend it or no i'm gonna say to stick away from it it's really not that good marble hornets can be found on youtube is that right yep yeah completely all the seasons are on there to watch right now and um you, you can't leave a comment for it because they've been locking those for about 20 years it feels like and how many seasons are there because i i also feel like i've only watched the first two I think they I think they put it out to about five seasons, but uh, a lot of it kind of treads the same ground in those last like two seasons. Definitely, that's my next recommendation. So I think that'll wrap up my one. If Nathan, you want to go next. So now uh, we are on to October sixth. I've got something that's a little that is outside the the realm of movie and TV. Although I think Seth, your last recommendation for the Marble Hornets, uh, what I have tonight is in that kind of same vein. And actually, what I have tonight is a podcast. The podcast I'm about to share is a little bit different than uh, the ones that we do here with Phantom Galaxy or the kind of discussion podcast where you basically get some people together. And, and discuss topics and have conversations. One of the things I think has really been interesting about podcasting is that it's 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 started to develop into basically internet radio, you know. And uh, with that, one of the things that I thought was kind of always going to be lost forever was radio theater. The idea of of like the old school. I still like to go back, and in fact, we'll probably have some of these on the list as we go forward. Some of the old radio shows, radio productions of different stories. And they're still hold up. And what's cool is now in, you know, in our, in this day and age, a lot of that stuff has been brought back and put online so you can listen to it. But even, even, uh, better is not only is a lot of the old stuff out there so you can hear it, but there are people creating new stuff and new stuff that's actually worthwhile and, uh, and interesting. And you had said something, about Marble Hornets uh, when we were talking about it for the day before, about that you have to kind of be careful because in the format, you get to a point where you can let your story kind of slip away from you. Yeah. And I think that's less to do with the, with the like kind of 
web format or the podcast format, but just the idea of the serialized format. Lately, we've been having a somewhat uh, surge in podcasts that follow a format that isn't unlike Marble Hornets or unlike a found footage where you are basically listening to... uh, There's often a reason for why people are recording and they are providing this ongoing story that kind of keeps getting bigger and bigger. And in the horror realm, I was really uh, impressed um, initially with a show called The Black Tapes Podcast. Mm -hmm. And Seth, have you heard this, The Black Tapes? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Without giving a lot away, you basically have this reporter who gets pulled into the orbit of this uh, scientist doctor who is researching... uh, these unexplained phenomena people send him vhs tapes and he is trying to debunk them that's kind of the perspective and she gets caught up in this and it develops this very large and sort of labyrinthian world that takes a lot of different trails through various kind of supernatural phenomena it's basically kind of like radio x-files and the black tapes is not the podcast i want to talk about because i enjoyed the black tapes i really got into it and then for me it took a kind of big nosedive it kept sort of getting weirder and more it out there did. and not necessarily in a good way and then suddenly it just sort of ended and and it ended in such in in such an anticlimactic and just off the wall manner that the minute it was released there was such a like blowback against it like i mean the the negative feedback was almost instantaneous to the point that very shortly they changed the header that said hey the final episode to the season finale episode and they've re and i think last march they did announce that they will have another season because uh and hopefully hopefully they can kind of pull it together so uh, i do recommend if you're interested checking out the black tapes podcast but what it did is listening to that and then being kind of disappointed with it it pointed me to another podcast called the magnus archives which is the podcast i'm actually talking about uh, tonight that I'm, I'm recommending and uh this feels similar this is um uh this is the kind of the british version of the black tapes if you will develops another kind of mechanism for why you have someone recording all these stories or these instances and this is a case where we're listening to incidents the magnus archives is a place really uh but what we are hearing are the actual recordings by the archivist so you have the head archivist who's jonathan sims and he he's kind of the person who puts this whole thing together too but in the in the context of the show this is his character he's jonathan sims he's been hired on to work in the archives and basically take all of their written hand statements and put them on uh on tape and record them and he's as he's reading them, you're getting these creepy individual stories about uh, supernatural and paranormal encounters that people have had. And that in and of itself, uh, I thought was a really compelling thing uh, because you hear he's reading them in his voice, but he he changes intonations. But there's a good reason for why he's reading them, you know. And so the archivist element is brought in uh, in the beginning. It just feels like a little bit of a gimmick. But as the show goes on, uh, we get into the mysteries involving what happened to Gertrude Robinson, who's the the previous archivist. And you get these other characters, these kind of fun characters like Martin Blackwood, who's kind of the meek uh, one of his his assistants who's a little bit meek and he's always trying to kind of like make friends with him but Jonathan's a little more standoffish and you've got a lot of these interesting Tim Stoker who's a, who's a character and and that character's kind of fun they start one way and then what you realize is as these 
individual stories come to light. And some of them right off the bat are pretty creepy. And as the episodes continue, you start to build in re reoccurring characters and reoccurring monsters and what's happening in the archives becomes as important as what's happening in the statements. And the first season kind of begins balancing this and they've gone on for a couple seasons now and I am continually impressed and consistently impressed with how well they manage this as a story. I think this is a really kind of creepy and interesting way to tell something in the in the audio format. The voice work is really strong, I think. And they really... The thing that is most impressive to me is that I do get a feel for the characters. like, uh, the, and, the, and the characters do change as the story goes on. And not necessarily are we always seeing a, a simple growth. We see characters who have to face the fact they're coming into contact with the supernatural or into contact with these things that they only thought were sort of... Uh, you know, shadows and, and folk tales, and then here they are. And the voice work on, we do get introduced to some of the creatures. I mean, the creatures find their way to the archives at some point, and uh, all of that's really well done. And it's not, we it hasn't concluded, and yet I do feel they're shaping the story in an interesting way. But it feels very expansive, it feels very epic, and yet it also feels contained and sort of... Uh, uh, cloistered. I feel like many years ago, this would have been an excellent like BBC TV production or even a radio drama production. And they're putting the same level of quality and work into it here uh, in this podcast that you would have seen had it been a, a higher level production. <clears throat> I think. It, I think one of the really interesting things is how much. I think like people from our generation are kind of appreciating this ability to pull like radio plays out because we've been just so bombarded for most of our lives with just film, 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 you know, as well as well as books too. But I know some of us who've just had an interest in it from the time that we were children. Now hearing some of these and like you said, like the production work that goes into them. It's, it is creating kind of a new format of entertainment and, and something that I think is exceeding for me personally a lot of things that you'll see in movies because I've, I've just seen so much of it at this point that it it takes a lot to really like get to me or get under my skin. So it, it, it this more reminds me of kind of like that medium between reading a book and, and watching a movie. Like you can kind of picture it all in your head. You're building those characters in your mind while you're also like kind of being bombarded directly in your ears with you know the sounds and production of this kind of stuff. And and I really I, I started the Magnus Archives on your recommendation and, and I'm about halfway through the first season right now. And I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah, it's really good. I, I like what you said about the it being kind of halfway between a book and a movie. Um, because I do something with this podcast that I actually don't do with maybe some other podcasts and the, or even something like the Black Tapes. Sometimes the Magnus Archives, I feel like it... And they aren't very long. They vary in length, but sometimes they could be 15 to 20 minutes long, you know, and, and sometimes longer. And there will be some times when I will listen to one and I will actually listen to it a second time. I'm known to... I, I can read relatively quickly so sometimes i'll read if i read a particular passage or chapter and it's particularly evocative and i you know there's there's a feeling of hey i i'll read over that again just to have the experience and the texture of what it's like to read that piece i you know i'll go back and reread chunks of a book not necessarily for greater understanding but for just the experience of what it was of reading it and 
with movies, you know, we rewatch movies in a similar mind, but like I don't often if I watch a movie I'm usually beginning to end. I don't use I'm not really a, a scenes kind of person. I don't usually go back and watch a single scene. But I do I have done that for this podcast, go back and experience a certain segment or a certain story again just because I uh enjoyed it in the same way that I would go back and like try to savor the words in a book. And Seth, what do you think about with it, we don't want to get too much into the plot, but do you do you find it creepy? Like, I find it legitimately pretty uh, unsettling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's been a few nights where I was just listening to it right before bed, and, and some of the stuff that happened, it's just it creates that kind of sense of dread and then gets into this creepy realm. So, yeah, there was definitely a couple moments where I was like, oh, yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> it's, this is affecting me more than I thought it was going to be. I, again, it's not completed yet. You can find I'll put the link in our show notes, but this is the Magnus Archives. And I, yeah, I highly recommend it. And I do recommend I do recommend uh, the Black Tapes, too. Just uh, at least the first two seasons, with the caveat that uh, right now they haven't completed it and it doesn't end in a particularly satisfying place. But I would you agree that you can kind of listen to the first season and even the second season and... Uh, there's enough of a containment to them that you won't be necessarily too disappointed if you kind of leave it right there. Oh, yeah. I definitely agree. Okay. So that kind of brings us to the end of this installment. We did October 4th through 6th today. We'll be back uh, very shortly with uh, days 7 through 9. Satha, so far... So far, we're doing it. We're, uh, <laughs> we made we've it. been on track. We've made, yeah, we made it. We made it to the sixth. Um, but yeah, we will be back soon, and we will talk to you later. Take care.